Let's praise the Lord together. I love you, Jesus. Amen. That makes me want to give. We need to pass the plate. My goodness. That's just one little glimpse of what God is going to continue to do in everyone's heart and life. I heard the story one time of a preacher who went to pray for a lady in the hospital. And this lady was at her final moments. And he said her hands were so closed and her arms were drawn up. He said she breathed her last breath, and she left this world. And he said, I'm standing there looking at her body. And those hands that were drawn up like this, he said, everything opened up like this, and she was totally relaxed. And he said, I knew the Lord was trying to tell me something. So I went from there to the church, he said, and I stayed there for several hours asking the Lord, what are you trying to convey to me? And the Lord spoke to him and said, that's how I want my people to live, with an open hand. He said, because before she passed, that's what we do in the world, is everything is we're holding on to everything. He said, but if you'll just, if you'll just live life with an open hand, I can take out, and I can add to as long as that hand is open. That's how I want to live tonight, church. Thank the Lord. Well, turn with me, please. The book of Psalm, chapter 37, verse number 23. Book of Daniel, chapter number 3, verse number 30. Good to see everybody in the house of the Lord tonight on a Wednesday night. Both guests and members alike, I applaud you, commend you for your faithfulness and for your willingness to respond to the Word of God. I made up my mind a long time ago that it didn't matter what the preacher preached, I was going to an altar. Because I know even if it didn't apply to me at that moment, you never know what can happen when we go to an altar. What God can do in our hearts and our lives. It doesn't matter. People can get the Holy Ghost anytime. It's don't, you don't have to just preach on one thing for people to get the Spirit of God in their life. What matters is do they want to draw closer to God? And I believe that everyone in this building wants to draw closer to the Lord. Verse number 23 of Psalm chapter number 37. Very common passage of Scripture. The Bible says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Daniel chapter number 3, for the sake of time, I'm going to read the last verse of that chapter, story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Bible says, Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of of Babylon. I like that word promoted. Then the king promoted. I want to preach tonight the pathway to spiritual promotion. The pathway. There is a, a path that we have to take to get to where God wants us 
to be. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you for every heart. I feel that the word of encouragement and strength is going to flow in this building tonight. Father, there's people here that only you know what they're facing. You know what they're going through. You know the circumstances. I pray the word of the Lord would minister to their situation and to their life. I thank you for what you're going to do in this house. Can we clap our hands and give God praise in Jesus' Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord bless you. You may be seated. The pathway to spiritual promotion. I believe tonight that relationships are one of the greatest institutions ever designed by God. Far greater than the animal kingdom, the simple act of two people cohabitating out of love is quite remarkable. A relationship in its purest form can be a roller coaster of emotions. Depending on the circumstances, one day can take you through so many different emotional dimensions. Those of you who are married, if you've been together longer than 30 seconds, you understand that this thing is unique. I was telling someone not too long ago, in fact, I think it was Brother Hughes, I said, what's so amazing to me is you can drive through a neighborhood or a a subdivision, and you go through all of these homes, and every home you pass is unique. Same neighborhood. In fact, they can be related. That doesn't matter. But every house is unique in its perspective. And those children that are raised in that home are going to come in step into life with their own unique perspective based upon how they were raised. And so you take two people. They could be next door neighbors. It doesn't matter. And they fall in love and they try or, or they get married. It doesn't matter how alike they think they are. There's still going to be a roller coaster in that house. And somebody said amen. It is part of life. It is part of relationship. But through it all, there is a steadfastness in that relationship. And the more stuff you go through together, the deeper the relationship becomes. The level of commitment I tell people, I thought I knew what love was at 19 when I got married. But the older I get, I realize I had no clue what love was at 19 years old. I just thought, here's a gal that is beautiful, and I'm smitten. I'm broke. I have nothing to offer. But if she'll say yes, it's a go. And I remember getting married, and the only money we had to our name was what someone took from, they took my shoe at the reception and they passed it around. They got $750 and that was, we, I had a honeymoon plan and I was broke. You talk about faith. 
I mean, I was broke. I'm not talking evangelistic. He's just lacking funds. I'm talking baroque. And, and I had $750. We started broke, and, and, and we're still broke. But no, I'm just picking. I told her, I said, look, baby, 13, 14 years later, I got you a minivan and four beautiful girls. Come on now. It's a minivan, okay? But the more stuff you go through in life, the deeper that relationship. That's why you have people who have been married 50 or 60 years. Now, now let's talk about love. Now let's talk about commitment. My grandfather passed a couple of years ago, and my grandmother and grandfather were together for 63 years. Sixty. She, did, she didn't know how to live life without him. Because over time, they went through some ups and they went through some downs. But there was a level of commitment. There was a bond that stood the test of time. You see, such relationships are simply a reflection of God's desire for humanity. And that is a relationship. And nothing can be more fulfilling than drawing closer to God. There is nothing that can take the place of a genuine relationship with the Lord. You see, one who truly knows God cannot help but love God. To know Him is to love Him, and to love Him is to know Him. He has no flaws, for He is perfect in every way. He is the epitome of purity. He is the Word perfect and that much more. And the greatest revelation one could ever receive while walking on this earth is the revelation of who Jesus is. Is. I'm sure we can be in agreement tonight that if you know Jesus, sickness has to leave. And if you know who Jesus is, demons still have to flee. And if you know who Jesus is, the winds still have to obey. For there's still power in the name of Jesus. There's still victory in the name of Jesus. There's still hope and salvation. In the name of Jesus, for we are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. The word complete in this instance refers to spiritual completion. What was damaged in the Garden of Eden is now restored as man enters back into relationship with God. Relationship. You see, we all have likes and dislikes. That's part of humanity. If you hadn't figured it out yet, everybody's different. It's not wrong to be different. We all have likes and dislikes. But there's one thing universally liked by all who have tasted, and that is the Lord. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. The goodness of God is not debatable. It's understood and accepted by all. I agree tonight that Jesus is everything we need. I'm not debating the goodness of God. He is powerful and he can do anything. And yes, he loves you and he wants to, he wants what's best for you. I agree with all of the above. But tonight my assignment is to address 
and refute the misconception, the misunderstanding, and the misnomer that is crippling far too many saints of God. We say that the the blessed life is the best life, and I agree, but we don't have a clear understanding of God's view of what blessed really is. See, somewhere along the way, we misinterpret Psalm 37 and 23. But this is what it says. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. But nowhere in the Word does it ever say that every step is going to be a good step. It just says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. There is a path of spiritual progression. It leads to promotion. But you've got to understand that the path that we're walking consists of all types of terrain. No one ever said that it would be the ease of pavement. No one ever said it would be the beauty of a rose garden. Because on this journey called life, it takes you through every type of terrain. So let us look and see what does blessed really mean. James 1 and 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. That word temptation actually means trials. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Blessed is the man that can go through a trial and come out on the other side. That man is blessed. I've come to learn in my short life that blessed has nothing is not a standard of living, but it's a standard of conduct. Because you can be broke and still be blessed. You don't have to live in the nicest house to be blessed. You don't have to drive the nicest car to be blessed. Blessed has nothing to do with what I have. It's got everything to do with who I know. And if you know who Jesus is, then my friend, you are blessed because when you go through a trial, God is going to bring you through it all the time. See, to get where God wants you to be, you got to walk down all types of avenues. The Bible says in Romans eight twenty eight, all things work together for good. To them that love God. To them who are called according to his purpose. Now break the scripture down. There's three uh, parts of that scripture. The first mean is all. All things. Both good and bad. But they work together. We don't like this all business. God, I just want the good parts. Give me the cliff note version of living for God. See, those cliff notes, they always get you in trouble. My mother was a grammar teacher, and I would, I would always go searching for the cliff notes. I didn't want to read the whole book. I wanted the cliff note version. I didn't, I, back then, I didn't like to read. I had other things to do, like eat. I didn't want to read. 
And I wanted, I would look for the cliff note version so I wouldn't have to go through the whole process. And I, I wanted to write my paper based off the cliff notes. But here's how my mama thinks. You know what my mama did? My mama went and bought the cliff notes. And she would look, compare your paper to the cliff notes. And if all you did was use the highlights, she knew you didn't read the book. We want the cliff notes. Give me the high points, God. I don't want to have to go through it all. But if you want to be who God wants you to be, it says all things work together. But the end result is it's going to be good. See, you can't see who you're going to be. Only God sees that. But you've got to realize it takes the up and it takes the down. But when God gets done with me, I'm going to be better than I was when I started this journey. My friend, you've got to realize God knows how to use the circumstances of life to produce something inside of you. But through it all, Job said, he knoweth the way that I take. I don't know where I'm going, but God does. You see, process always precedes promotion. I have never one time seen a parent take their five-year-old to try to start the 12th grade. doesn't work like that because they're not ready for this. But if we start them at kindergarten, or K-4 when they're four years old. Or if you've got a house full of them, you're looking for a K-3 somewhere. We'll start them out the womb. I don't care. Just get them out of the house. I'm just picking. You start them there. And you give them little by little. And by the time they make it to the 12th grade, they're prepared to face what they have to face. You see, God's not going to put more on you than you can bear. And the reason you're facing today what you're facing and you didn't face it two years ago is because you weren't ready for that level yet. Your faith had not matured to that dimension yet. You had to go through the process to get to the, to the promotion. Bible says, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. It indicates there are dimensions of faith. There are dimensions of living for God. And you've got to grow into those dimensions. How do we grow? You've got to go through something. This is what I've learned. I can read all the books there is about golfing or hitting baseballs or whatever. But I don't care how much knowledge you have, there's nothing like having to actually go through it. There's nothing like having to sit there and try to hit a baseball coming straight at you. Or hit a little white golf ball that looks so easy. And I, I watched YouTube videos until I was blue in the face. I still can't hit a golf ball. It don't matter how much you know about it. Knowledge is not enough. You've got to live through some of that stuff. You got to go through some of that stuff. You have to go through the process and you are promoted. The Bible said that there was these three Hebrew boys. These were top of their class. They were wise. They were skillful. They were good people. But the rain falls on the just and the unjust. All they wanted to do was stand for God. They weren't looking for problems. 
But how many have lived enough to realize you don't have to go looking for problems? Problems have a way of finding us out. Situations have a way of arising, but this was the path that they were walking on. Something had to test them. Everyone seems to have faith when life is great. Isn't that amazing how everybody knows how to fix your problems? Oh, brother, you just need to trust God. Well, it ain't your bank account that's broke. It's not your body that's sick. It's not your family going crazy. But they all have answers when it's not them. But you let them get in it, and they forget everything they told you. And you look at them like, oh, you can fix all my problems, but you can't handle your problems? Everybody's got faith when life is great. Faith is not revealed on the mountain. Faith is revealed in the furnace of affliction. Even in the face of the furnace, these men said, Our God is able to deliver us. But if not, we still won't bow. Let me break it down for you. This is what they were saying. I'd rather die believing he will than live believing he won't. And my friend, I don't know what you're facing tonight. I don't know the situation you're going through. But you got to make up in your mind. I'm going to believe that God is able to bring me through this. I'm going to believe that God knows right where I'm at. It's not my responsibility to make it happen. I just believe that God is still on the throne. And he's able. I've come to encourage somebody today. Now's the time to tie a knot and hold on. I'm not bowing down. I'm not giving up. I've got a feeling God is going to promote me. You see, there's power in holding on. There's power in saying I'm not not giving up. I don't care. I remember, I probably shared the story here. Maybe you forgot it. I don't know. We had an RV for several years. We parked it here before. But when I first got this RV, everybody told me, no, my brother, you need to watch this awning. Because if that awning's out and that wind starts blowing, that, it'll rip it plumb off the trailer. Well, I had, a, I had a solution for that. Never let the awning out. You ain't got to worry about it. But in the summertime, it started getting real hot on that trailer. And so we were parked in Onalaska, Texas. At the KOA, and I mean, I was right on the lake. It was beautiful. And I looked at the weather, and it was supposed to be sunshine for probably a week. So I told my wife, I said, I'm going to let that awning out. And I let the awning out. I put it at the angle. I did everything people told me to do. And I forgot about it. And one night, I heard the loudest banging on that trailer. And it was about 1130 at night. And I'm in my PJs. I, th- I literally thought someone was trying to break in the trailer. It was that loud. So wh- what I do, I just jump up and I go throw the door open. I guess I was going to scare him, grin him down like a bear. I don't know. I threw the door open and I looked up. And my awning was standing straight up and down, which is not normal on a trailer if you had never had an RV before. I didn't take into account how fast a storm could have come up on that lake. And those winds were whipping. And on those awnings, they only have about a four or five foot cord hanging off on them. 
And so I'm out there jumping, trying to get this this cord. And I pull it down, and I'm holding it, and I'm hollering for, or from, I'm politely asking loud my wife to come uh, help me outside. And she runs outside, and, and she's holding on and, and to the thing. And uh, Ava at the time was maybe one, and she started screaming and crying. So my wife runs inside, gets her. So she's got her under one arm, and she's holding this with the other arm, with the other hand. And I'm pulling, I'm pulling up a picnic table so I could try to get some leverage on top of this thing to get it rolled up. And I'm out there with every, now listen to me, I'm not making this stuff up, with every ounce of faith in my being. I mean, I, you'd have thought it was general conference and I'm giving a word of prophecy. I was, I was ready for this. I'm standing on top of the picnic table, fixing to mess with this, and I turned. And I raised my hands, and I looked at that lake, and I shouted at the top of my lungs, Peace! Be still! And my wife said, Will you shut up? It's midnight. People are trying to sleep. You know what I learned that night? When the storm doesn't stop, the only option you have is to hold on. But if you'll hold on, my friend, I've come to tell you God is going to bring you through the storm. Tie not and hold on to that thing with everything you've got. God has a way of bringing you through it. you got to hold on. Then, watch this, after they came through it, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, if they would have known that this was coming years before, they would have tucked tail and run. But God, through the process, was preparing. God has a way of preparing. But notice the source of their promotion. The very one who brought the attack was the same one that promoted. The very thing that's coming against you is going to be what God uses to promote you to the next level in the spirit. The very thing that you're going, God, I don't understand this. God, I don't like this. God, I can't figure out what you're trying to do. Why the pain and the ag- God, why? But God's saying, hey, I'm using this because I'm going to use this to catapult you into the next dimension in the spirit world. See, we got this messed up mentality that God and pain can't be in the same sentence. That God and tears can't be in the same sentence because we're living for God. This is the blessed life. This is the best life. We're not supposed to hurt. We're not supposed to cry. We're supposed to be nothing but prosperity and all the good things. But that's not in the Word of God. That's not in the, because God has to mold you and God has to shape you. But God, I want to be shaped through a shout. Woo-hoo. 
You ain't going to grow through a shout like you'll grow when hell is coming against you and you're on your face before God saying, God, the only way I'm going to make it through this is you're going to have to be my strength. My friend, hear me. God will be your strength. And when you come through the other side, you'll be able to look back and say, I see now what God was doing. You see, the adversary is the key to greater anointing. The enemy can only do what God allows him to do. He has no jurisdiction outside of which God gives him permission. He does not have all power. We think that we think that Satan is the opposite of God. If that if Satan were the opposite of God, that means he would have equal amount of power used for a different purpose. He doesn't have the equal amount of power of God. He is not all-powerful. He has to operate within the realm. God says, you, I'm going to draw the border. You can't go past this border. And you know where God draws the border? He draws it on the edge of what you think you can handle. He draws it just beyond what you think you're capable of. Because if it was in the realm of your own ability, you wouldn't need to pray. So what he does, he moves the border just a little bit past what you think you can handle. Because that's the area where faith grows. That's the realm where dependence on God is exercised. It's beyond what you think you can handle. So you have to pray. You have to trust God. That's where God stretches you. That's where God pushes you to the limits. But it takes the adversary. It takes, it takes the adversary coming in to do what God needs to do. The Bible says in Luke 4 and 1, And Jesus, watch this, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, this was God-ordained. God, the Spirit led him to this realm. He was full of the Holy Ghost, led by the Spirit. It was the path that he was destined to walk, and it would lead to spiritual promotion. But it was there in that wilderness where he faced the devil, Satan, three times. It was in this realm after fasting those 40 days and 40 nights and praying and seeking the mind of God when he was weary that the enemy came in. You know, the, the enemy never comes in on a Sunday night. The enemy knows when you're most vulnerable. He knows how to come in and mess with your mind when you're most vulnerable. He knows, how, he knows how to send people with problems or accusations or whatever. When you're most vulnerable. But watch what happened. When he overcame him, the Bible says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. How do I go from just being full of the Holy Ghost to walking in the power of the Spirit? you got to face some stuff. you got to face some adversity. you got to face that enemy. You got to understand that when I go through all of this, it's activating something within my soul where I'm not just coming to church saying, hey, I'm here full of the Holy Ghost. But no, I'm going to walk in the power of the Spirit. You see, I, I used to see these men and read about these men who operated in such tremendous giftings and tremendous power. And we're awed by that. 
what we don't know is everything they had to live through. You don't know the problems that they faced. You don't know the depression that they lived through. You don't know the family loss that they went through. They didn't get where they're at just by showing up on Sunday and Wednesday and not doing anything. They had to live through some stuff. But in living through all of that stuff, it activated something in their heart and in their life. You see, the most common question in Christianity today is why? God, why did I have to face that? God, why am I going through this? God, it doesn't make sense. You know what? I haven't found anything that God does yet to make sense to me. That's because we don't think on the same wavelengths of God. We don't operate in the same realm as God. No doubt if you could hear Joseph in that prison, I promise you somewhere in those few years the word why came out of his mouth because Joseph was human. But when it was all said and done and he was restored with his brothers, he looked at them and said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. What Joseph was trying to say was this. God knows how to take the worst of situations and turn it all around. And when you come through it all, you'll realize that God knew what he was doing. It's easy to stare at a circumstance and say, God, what in the world is going on? I have beat my head against the wall many times in prayer. Saying, God, I don't understand. I know you'll never put more on us than we can bear. But at times the load seems unbearable. I know, God, that you're telling me to trust you. But it's hard to trust through tears. And God, I don't understand. You see, to live for God and to walk in a relationship with God somewhere in the, in the, in the corridor of your soul, in, in the very pit of who you are, there has to be a determination that says regardless of what happens, I'm committed. Regardless of what happens, I trust him. There has to be a resolve in your spirit. But the reward for your resolve can't, see, can't be seen with the human eye. But the reward for your resolve is greater revelation of who he is. Anyone can give up and walk away. Anybody. It takes no faith to give up. It takes faith to hold on. Anybody can give up. But their knowledge of Jesus and who he is becomes limited by their actions. When you go to that place where you don't want to go, then you see Jesus like you've never seen him before. Revelation 1 and 9, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom of God and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos. Patmos was not a tourist destination. 
It was not a vacation hotbed. It was a place they sent criminals. It was barren. It was a place that they died a slow death. It was a place no one wanted to go. Nobody signed up. God, I'll go to Patmos. Didn't happen. And I promise you, you didn't sign up for the pain in your life. And you didn't sign up for the turmoil in your life. Because we don't sign up for Patmos. We'll sign up for paradise. But don't sign me up for Patmos, God. But John, I got to get you to a place that no one wants to go. Because I got to show you some stuff that no one else has ever seen. I cannot show you this side of me until you're willing to go where nobody else has ever been. And you can't see what God wants you to see until you're willing to stop fighting against the plan and the will of God and understand that God is allowing this stuff to happen in my life because he's wanting to show me some things that I've never seen before. There's only one book of Revelation. Because there was only one of those men that went to Patmos. John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Because every day can be the Lord's day. It's not relegated to a Sunday or a Wednesday. It's not determined by what I see or where I am. It's determined by who I know on the inside. And I know that the same God that loved me before Patmos is the same God that loves me while I'm on Patmos. you got to realize that God is still the same before the tribulation and before the trial. And he'll be the same God after the trial. Because John went where no one else wanted to go. He saw God like no one else has ever seen him before. Musicians come. 2015 and the first half of 2016 was without a doubt the most difficult and worst time of my life. I'm not talking about ministry. I'm talking about my spiritual walk with God, the worst it's ever been. Not because I was out there doing anything wrong, but because I felt so disconnected from God. I would pray and pray and pray and plead and cry. I would say, God, I don't even know if I'm called anymore. I don't even know if I'm saved anymore. Because the enemy knows how to walk where nobody else can walk. He knows how to plant seeds in your mind. And all you got to do is cultivate those seeds. And you'll start messing with your own mind. I would go to prayer and felt like God was a million miles away. I felt like my prayers were not even bouncing off the ceiling. We're not even going above the ceiling. I would go to a pulpit and out of everybody in the church, I didn't want to be there. I would preach, 
And I would tell other people to believe. And I would tell other people God is able. And the whole time that I'm, it's leaving my lips, the devil was telling me, you don't believe anything that you're saying. And I lived in unbelievable torment. I lived in, in, in agony in my mind. Oh, I put a smile on. Everything was good. Everything on the outside. Nobody knew anything. But I'd go to my prayer time. And I got to the point I didn't even want to pray. Because I felt like God had abandoned me. I felt like I was all alone. And I felt like God had just pushed me off and was done with me. And I prayed around the end of May, the beginning of June of last year. I'll never forget kneeling in, in, or sitting in my, in my office at my house. And I was praying. And I said, God, I don't even know what to pray anymore. My words felt shallow. They feel hollow. I don't know the right words to pray. But you were raised in this preacher. You're right, but I'm human. I said, God, put me on somebody else's heart. I don't know what to pray, but somebody in this world can pray for me. I know you love me enough to speak to somebody else. And they'll pray for me, God. And it was at the end of July. I was in Jackson, Mississippi. Got a text from a guy. And if you told me to pick somebody that would text me, this guy would have been at the bottom of the list. It's not who I would have picked. It's not who I would have thought. But I didn't tell God somebody special. I said, anybody. The man texted me and said, call me when you get a chance. Got my family settled in the hotel room. I went out to my vehicle for a little privacy. I called him. He answered the phone, and the only thing he said was, how are you doing? And it wasn't no, how you doing? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, everything's great. He said, no, how are you doing? And I broke. I began to talk. He said, let me tell you what happened. He said, two months ago, I was in my bedroom, and I was going through all kind of difficulties in my life. I was going through all kinds of things. He's a pastor of a church. And the Lord stepped into my room. He said, nobody else was in there except me. And he said, Lord, why am I feeling what I'm feeling? Why am I going through what I'm going through? And the Lord spoke to me and said, because you're on Patmos. And he said, but I'm telling you this. There's somebody else on Patmos too. And his name is Tyler Stevenson. And I want you to call him and tell him because you went to Patmos, you'll see more of me than you've ever seen before. And from that day forward, Something broke in my life. And I realized that Patmos is not a bad thing. 
No, it's not where we want to be. No, we don't want to go through the pain and the turmoil and all of the agony that is associated with spiritual growth. But when we allow God to work in our life, we see him in a way we've never seen him before. Stand with me all over the building. I don't know what you're facing tonight. I know the burden that's been on my heart all day long. God has been preaching this message in my spirit over and over and over. And I may be talking to one or two people, but I know when I lay my head down at night, I will have delivered the message of God for somebody in this place because everybody here is human. And we all know what it's like to go to Patmos. And we all know what it's like to face a fire. And we all know what it's like to say, God, what in the world are you trying to accomplish in my life? Heads bowed and eyes closed all over the building tonight. If you could hear the sound of heaven, somewhere through it all, I believe the voice of God is reverberating in this place saying now's not the time to give up because you don't understand. But if you could just hold on, God has a way of bringing you through every trial. He's got a way of bringing you through every fire. He's got a way of bringing you through every situation that you don't understand. And when it's all said and done, only God can get the glory for it. Only God can get the glory for it. Oh, Holy Ghost, I want you to begin to pray and talk to God right now all over this building. Come on, I want you to reach out in your heart right now all over this building to God. We're fixing to open up these altars. And we're not going to come up here and complain and tell God what we don't understand. When we come up to these altars, we're going to come as a sign of commitment to God and a sign of faith that everything is going to be all right. I'm not going to throw in the towel. I'm not going to give up just yet. God has a way of working it all out. Why don't you step out of your pew right now all over this building? Oh, God, God has a way of promoting us. God has a way of helping us. God has a way of moving us from where one dimension to the next. Hear the voice of the Spirit tonight. God is in control.